Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Great. Um, 25 minutes or so just as we wrap this up uh, today. If you have Bibles with you, we're going to be mainly in John chapter 7. I'd love to encourage you if you have an actual Bible or else on your phone to open it up today and just follow along as we go through it. Today, um, just give a bit of a disclaimer, there's going to be a bit of a teach in different elements of this. Just uh, There's different aspects I want to bring out on some of the cultural understanding of what Jesus is speaking into uh, as we go into John 7. Um, so we're going to be going to that, and I'm going to be landing in at different points just to ask, as we always will be doing through the summer months, Jesus, as we observe your life in the book of John, we want to look and ask, what is it that we need to apply to our lives? What are some of your ways that we're seeing in the pages of Scripture that you're asking us to live into and to follow in all of life? So Holy Spirit, help us to do that today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, as we start into this, as you open up John chapter 7, some of your your Bibles, or even as you read it on your phone, you'll see the first part of it mentions something to do with a thing called the Feast of Booths. Jesus is here to feast, it's called the Feast of Booths. I want to just do just a little bit of background understanding in this so you, we can fully grasp what Jesus was not just speaking to the children of Israel, the Jews in this day, but what he's speaking to us through this as well. It's important that we don't neglect and try to sidestep some of those cultural understandings. Many of you in the room, Enjoy, um, enjoy celebrating key moments in your life. Hands up if you love a good birthday party. Yeah, give me a wave. There we go. Yes. And there are these moments once a year when many people will say they love to just reflect in the year that's gone by and look forward uh, to what the year that's coming up. There are other people in the room who will think to themselves, it depresses them the fact that they're getting another year older and they try to let it slide by as quickly as possible without anyone noticing. Uh, I read this during the week too, too, uh, in terms of celebrity stories. This guy, Sir Philip Green, this is one of the most expensive birthday parties. For his 60th birthday, he spent £20 million on his birthday party, which was a four-day birthday party in Mexico. Flew all of his guests out in private jets, put on a full thing. It was the full, the full works with this, £20 million. Simon Kyle, well-known Simon Kyle off TV, the very lovely man that he is, $1.6 million in his 50th birthday party. Again, invited some of his guests to it. It puts it in context that actually a birthday party at Scallywags isn't that bad. Sure, it's not for the kids when you see some of the price these guys are going to. So we all enjoy those things. Some people enjoy things like anniversaries. Sometimes these are happy moments. There are poignant moments, moments when we reflect in times which maybe brings with it a mixture of emotions for different people. So, for example, in our culture and society, one of the events which is recognized each year is Remembrance Day. Remembrance Day is where we remember the history of our country, the, the history that we sit in because of two wars that were fought um, as people give up their lives for freedom's sake. And one, one of the strap lines in Remembrance Days uh, each year is this phrase that it just says, lest we forget, lest we forget. It's like each year that we do this, we're trying to remind ourselves, remind our culture, remind the generations coming behind of our story. This is part of our story. 
The reason why I wanted to say this is because as we go into John chapter 7, this is in essence what the children of Israel were doing. They had many celebrations. They had many feasts throughout the year that were almost like a remembrance day in itself. It was one of those lest we forget moments. The whole heart and purpose behind it was that as they sat and, uh, and celebrated these year after year after year, it was telling the story to the generations that were coming behind. These feasts are still celebrated in Israel today by Jewish people. Uh, and so we're going to go in just a little bit of, of the meaning and understanding of this. There, there were several feasts that were known as the Feast of Jehovah or the Feast of Yahweh. And the whole purpose in this was that, again, it was to tell a story. So what happened was the very first feast that was celebrated in the calendar year, stay with me in this, right? The very first feast that was celebrated in the calendar year in terms of the religious calendar was this, the Feast of Passover. It was celebrated in springtime. There were other feasts that went through, but the very final one, in the calendar year was the one that we're about to look at today in John chapter 7, the Feast of Booths, you'll see it in many of your Bibles, or the Feast of Tabernacles, it was called. The whole heart behind us, the story that was being told, the story that the children of Israel were reminding themselves, remembering their, reminding their children and their children's children was of this, of God's goodness and God's redemption and God's restoration. This was their story. They were telling it over and over and over again. God had redeemed them. God had restored them. So with Passover, as we reflect on that, many of you remember, you read the stories of Moses with the, the children of Israel as they were in Egypt, as they were slaves. And God sends Moses to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. And he sends 10 plagues. And the last one of those plagues was um, where the death angel was coming and was going to strike down the firstborn male in every household. And God had told the children of Israel, kill the Passover lamb, get its blood and paint the doorpost. It sounds a bit gruesome. And it says, but by this, as the, uh, the angel of death comes along, it can pass by, it'll pass over the house and all the people in the house will be saved. They remember this. Passover reminds them of their redemption. And because of this, they were released out of Egypt and they were set free. The one that we're looking at today in John 7, the Feast of Booze, that tells them then about their journey in the wilderness for 40 years, but that they just didn't stay in the wilderness, but God actually brought them into a promised land. God is the restorer of our souls. God is the restorer of our lives. He just didn't leave them in Egypt, just didn't leave them in the wilderness, but brought them through it and all the experience into the promised land. That's what remembered and reminded them of this is what, why it was called the Feast of Booths. God told them, as you celebrate it, as you gather, and God had told them to come to Jerusalem to celebrate this, they were to build these little temporary booths. So this was to remind them of the type of homes that they would have used, dwelling places they would have used in the wilderness. It reminded the generations coming behind as they sat in normal homes and got to live in freedom of what had gone before. This, this was a reminder of God's goodness and God's restoration. It was called the, the, the Feast of, of Booths. The main part of this, though, was that it was celebrated. So while it was, it was something that looked back and all God's goodness, it pointed forward to something even better that was coming. And where it was mainly celebrated, so this was the old city of David in Jerusalem, where it was mainly celebrated was here, the little blue circle, shows you the temple in Jerusalem. So people would have come from all over Israel, 
from different parts of Israel. They'd gathered in Jerusalem. They would have stayed in homes of people they knew. They would have stayed, welcomed, and uh, had some hospitality from strangers. Many people just camped around the city. But the whole point was that as they did this and as they built their booze and all this sort of stuff, as it reminded them, they were coming here each day. The festival lasted about eight days. It went from one Sabbath to the next Sabbath. They lasted for eight days. And each morning, they would congregate here at the temple. And this is where there was thanksgiving that was going on. The whole reason why I want to get into that is because as we start to read John chapter 7, this is crucial for us to get. All the Jews were going here. This was a feast that everyone from all over Israel was congregating in Jerusalem. This was a key moment. All the Jews were going to be there. And at the start of John chapter 7, we're introduced to Jesus' brothers. And let's read the words that we're told about with us. So everyone gets the feast of booths. What it was about. We're going to go into a few other things about it. But here we read, it references this for us. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand, the one we've just mentioned. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. It must have been hard. Obviously, Jesus' mother, Mary, fully got it because she had had the angel vision at the start and she had, um, she, the Holy Spirit had come upon her. That's how she conceived Jesus. She knew that this was the Son of God. But his brothers that he grew up with lived a normal life with this boy, grew up with him as a sibling, as a brother. And now Jesus is claiming to be Messiah. And they, they can't fully get their heads around this. And this is their rationale. This is what they're saying to Jesus. They're saying, if you really can do these things that you're saying you're doing, don't do them in secret. They're saying, Jesus, everyone's in Jerusalem. Go and let the whole world see it. That's what they're like. It's like, they're like, Jesus, we're going to tell you some sense. Listen to us. Now's your chance. Go up to Jerusalem. Everyone's going to be there. If you can really do these things, this is the fast track to you getting what you need. Go and show it to everyone. And this is what Jesus says to them. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, um, not publicly, but in private. One of the very first things I just want to say before we go into the main teach of this, but this is a prelude into that. One of the first things that we learn in terms of a rhythm of we're following Jesus in all of life, the thing that's really crucial from these first 10 verses is this. Jesus was always, always, always and only led by the Father. Jesus was always and only ever led by the Spirit. He did not do things without hearing from the Father. His brothers are saying this, you can, get, you can understand this, they're saying, go up to Jerusalem. Jesus, all the Jews, everyone in the, in, in the nation of Israel is going to be there. It's like, it's not rocket science, Jesus, just go. This is going to be easy, get up to it. But Jesus is saying, he isn't going. One of the things, just to say, one of my friends had asked me about this actually a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't actually planned to talk about this, but then I was, was reading it. It just, it, was one of the, it just clicked with me. Someone had asked me, he said, in this is this Jesus telling lies? Because Jesus says to his brothers, I'm not going up to the feast, you go. And then he goes. Verse 10, we were, were told, but Jesus goes. He said to them, I'm not going to the feast, it's not my time, but you go. You see, the thing that's really important as we read the context of this again, 
is that in my understanding as I read this, the reason why Jesus was saying to his brothers, I'm not going to go, but you go, is because Jesus hadn't yet heard from the Father to go. While all his brothers were saying, Jesus, this makes sense. For goodness sake, just go. He was like, I haven't heard from the Father about that. So as good as your rationale is, and as much as I trust you as my brothers, I ain't going anywhere until I hear from the Father. In fact, so if we go to verse 25, John chapter 7, verse 25, later on in it. So Jesus goes up to the festival. People see him and they're talking about this is the one that the Pharisees are trying to kill. So it says this, some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ, the Messiah? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed, as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from. Listen to these words, but I have not come on my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. I know generally speaking, Jesus is talking, the father has sent him into the world. But specifically to these Jews at this feast, at this festival, Jesus is saying to his disciples and to his brothers who are sitting scratching their head and saying, I thought he said he wasn't coming. Jesus is saying, I, I haven't come on my own accord. I'm not here because it's my own choosing. He says, he who sent me is true. Jesus is talking about the Father. The Father has sent them up to this feast. And it's crucial in terms of our understanding of this. Jesus had already explained this as a reality for him. So while this is John 7, a couple of chapters before, John 5, Jesus says these words. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Later in John chapter 12, Jesus will say this. I don't speak in my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. Jesus, we read in the Matthew's gospel how he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was constantly being led by the Father and by the Spirit to do things. And this first brief point for us, this is what we need to be as a people. If we're going to be those who follow Jesus in all of life, we need to be desperately hungry to hear from the Father. We need to be desperately hungry to be led by the Spirit. Because here's the thing, you will have people around you in your life who will speak with the best intention. People that you love to filter everything through. who have the best intention and the best will for you. But you know what, it might not be God's best for you. And this is why Jesus was adamant. I need to hear from the Father. The Bible tells us this. Psalm 143, teach me to do your will. For you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. Paul says this to the church in Rome. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. If you're calling yourself a child of God, then you are those that are led by the spirit. Not the voices of people that you feel comfortable to listen to. And one of the things, just to land on this before we move on to the next part. I just really felt even as I was writing this during the week. There are some people in the room. Some of the situations that you're going through at the moment are, are huge. Some of you where you're sitting and you're facing decisions maybe to do with your health, something to do with some of your family members. It might even be a move of house, a location, a move to a different country. Some of you might be a move of career. And one of the things that can so easily happen, I get this because I'm one of those people, sometimes bringing it to God can be the second thing we do. 
What you can so easily do is you can go and filter and chat it through with people like your family, your friends. And sometimes as good as the wisdom they'll try to bring you, it's human wisdom. We need a wisdom that's not of this world. We need a wisdom that's from the Father. And this is why this verse that we looked at a few weeks ago, be still and know that I am God. I just wanted to ask, what are your rhythms? Like, so for some of you in the room who are going through these big decisions in your life at the moment, how are you intentionally trying to create space to hear from the Father? How are you intentionally trying to create space to ask the Holy Spirit and bring in this and presenting it before God and saying, God, this, this is something I'm going through. God, show me your will. Because we can just rush into these things. So how are we doing? And well, the other thing just to ask is when you hear the Father, when you hear God speak to you, how quick are you to act on what God says? There's some things that God will tell you to do and it'll seem completely bonkers. It'll seem stupid. It'll be like everyone else will be like, what on, what on earth are you? That's not who you are. People will try to define what your suggestion be and who your identity should be. But God is the one who loves you. He's the one who has good plans and purposes for your life. So how readily do you hear from what God is saying? As this goes on, as we just look just a little bit more. So in, in, this, in this feast, in this festival, just to say John 7, John 8, and John 9, it's all kind of focused. Jesus uses this to try and teach people. But one of the things that happened, so there was a daily routine, right? So each day, well, they said they went to the temple. There was a celebration in the morning. In the afternoons, this is just a brief thing. In the afternoons, they had, in what was known as the court, it was a strange, this was known as the court of the women. There we go. So there's the court of the women. And in the afternoons, they lit these four big uh, lamps and there was a massive light that came out of this, right? The, apparently, the whole courts were completely lit up and illuminated. All the courts in Israel, apparently, from most of the courts and most of the houses, you could see this light. It was so bright. And for the Jews in this festival, in the Feast of Booths, in the Feast of Tabernacles, with this light, what it reminded them about, as they look back, it reminded them about the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God that came and filled the temple. But it also reminded them that there was a great light that was yet to come. There's a Messiah that they were hoping for. Isaiah 9 verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And so the Jews have been celebrating this. They've reckoned day after day after day, they have focused on this celebration of the light. They've reminded themselves of this prophetic word. And straight off the back of it, as soon as this feast finishes, Jesus stands up because of the cultural awareness of this and because people's minds are at this place. Jesus stands up and this is why the Father has sent him. And in John chapter 8, Jesus stands up and declares these words, I am the light of the world. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. I am the great light that has been prophesied of. I am the light of the world. I'm the one that has come. David said this last week. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they love to record the things that Jesus did. John loved to record things that tells about who Jesus was. He was the Messiah. And Jesus is down there saying, I am the light of the world. I'm here for you. In this, Jesus now is validating he is the Messiah. He is Christ. But Jesus' whole heart in this, this is the beautiful thing. Jesus was never coming to condemn. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. But his heart was that for his own people, they could get this. They would see past the religiosity. They would experience the life that God has for them. And so this is why, back in John 7, and with this, this is us starting to round things up. We're told this, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, 
let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. During the feast, there were, there were daily routines that, that had to happen. So back in the morning time, do you remember we said it all started in the temple? Back in the morning time, what would have happened was the priest would have kicked it all off and he would have blown this big horn called a shofar. I think that's how you pronounce it. And I was just like, right, we're starting this thing. So everyone would have come out of their wee boots. So they congregated at the temple with like a blast. We're starting now. We're about to worship. We're about to give thanks to God at this moment. In Jerusalem at that time, there were, there were two sources of water within the city. One was in the springs, Gion Springs, they were called, and another place where people got water. So the water was obviously crucial because it sustained life and all those sorts of things. Another place they got water was from a place called the Pool of Siloam. And what happened was that um, here, again, at the temple, so as the priest blew the trumpet, he then would have walked. There would have been a whole procession that came behind him, people singing and all that sort of stuff. He would have walked down here with this new circle down at the bottom, and this is the Pool of Siloam. This is one of these water sources in Jerusalem, the water that was so crucial for life. And he would have walked down here. That's what it would have looked like an artist's impression. And he had this golden pitcher and he walked and he, he stepped into the water and he bent down and he filled the pitcher up fully with water. And the people would have asked, they said, why is this called the drawing out of the water? And the priest would have replied, because this represents the pouring out of, of this Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. The priest is telling him this. This is what this water symbolizes, the Holy Spirit. And then what would have happened, just to cut the story short, the priest then would have carried this, gone back up to the temple, would have poured it out on the altar, and another priest would have poured out another pitcher full of wine, poured it out on the altar, and at that moment there was like a, a silence that descended on the crowd. And the people knew, because they, they practiced this every year, at this moment, because this water signified the Holy Spirit as was poured out, the silence that descended lasted a long time, and in this moment, the people were encouraged to feel and to listen for the wind. They were encouraged to feel and to listen for the wind. And here's the thing, as, as they're kneeling down and they're feeling and they're listening, all of this year after year after year, day after day, this goes on for eight days, all of this is religious, ritualistic stuff. They know it in here, but they haven't experienced it in here. And at this moment, there's this hush that descends in the crowd. This is the final day of the feast. This is day yet. It's called the great day. All the days up to this point has been reminding them about how they've journeyed through the desert. When they get to day yet, they take down their booths because this is where they remind themselves they're going into the promised land. This is the promise being fulfilled. And at this moment, at this moment, when they're reminding themselves about a promise being fulfilled, Jesus, in the midst of the silence, it's the silence on the crowd, Jesus stands up. And he, in a loud voice, declares these words, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And Jesus in his head, this is what he's realized, and he's desperate for people to get this, this is what he's realized. The Jews, his own people, they've got it in here. They just, 
They haven't experienced it. And he's standing and declaring, this is why he's saying, I am the light of the world. This is why he wants to give it away. He wants people to experience it. It's not just something that they know in practice, but it's something that is fully changing their lives. Jesus is really clear in this. He wants to lead us into this. He even said this public or privately, remember, to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He's referenced this as well. Again, he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks the water I will give will never be thirsty again. But here he is publicly announcing this to all the Jews in Israel. Remember, everyone's there. They're all hearing this. He who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And anyone who drinks of the water I drink from him, from his very being, will flow, flow rivers of living water. Jesus wants us to get this. Let me break this down just very simply, and then we're going to respond and pray. Jesus firstly puts an onus on us. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Is there anyone in the room today that just feels like their life's just a bit dry? There's been those moments where you've just, you've been enjoying good times with, with the Lord, but it just, feel, it just feels dry. Jesus says, let him come to me and drink. This Greek word for this word drink is pino. It means to drink, but it also means to participate, to share him. This water that Jesus is saying to drink of, it's the Holy Spirit. Remember that this was poured out each day. It was a daily thing. And Jesus is saying this. If you're thirsty, come to me and fully drink, fully participate in the things of the Spirit, fully share in what we have for you daily Position yourself that you're drinking this in, you're taking this in, that it's not just a religious thing that we do. One of the things on this is really clear. This might sound like all the stuff I'm about to finish and say, you might have you might say to me, oh, Dave, that's just really basic stuff. We've heard that before. And if you feel that you would be saying that, can I bat back and say that if you're experiencing dryness in your heart and in your soul, that might be the reason. You might feel like you've heard it before. You've tasted before. You've drank before. Jesus is saying, come to me and drink deeply. Daily, this was a daily thing, what they were being reminded of. Drink deeply. Participate in this. Take it fully within yourself. Drink from within him because this is the life that he promises for us. And so just again, first, how, do you, how do you allow just a position to the Holy Spirit to be able to be part of your life day and daily? I would love to encourage you if you've never experienced this for you for the first time, even if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, this is the promise that is for you. This is for anybody who wants to believe. But as, as a believer, daily, daily, never get to the point. Let us never be a people that ever gets to the point and says, yeah, we've done that before. This is so familiar. Because here's the thing, this is brand new every time. Because this is what Jesus tells us. Whoever believes in me. So the Holy Spirit stuff is not just for a few people. It's not just for the people who we think are better Christians than the people who have got it sorted and were the ones that maybe just... There's a lot of people who will put themselves down and they'll say they couldn't possibly do that. Jesus says this, Whoever believes, you've heard me reference this in other ways before, but if you call yourself a believer this morning, this is you. Whoever believes, Jesus says, come and drink deeply so that you can experience this. But here's the good news for you this morning. Jesus wants to use you because this is the promise that Jesus speaks over your life, believer this morning in the room. Out of your heart, your heart, 
will flow. Out of your heart will flow. You've disqualified yourself so many times and said you possibly couldn't. Hear the words of Jesus. If you're a believer this morning, out of your heart, this is his desire, will flow. Will flow rivers. Not just little trickles, but rivers. Rivers aren't man-made. They have a source. They flow with a current. They carry things in their wake as they go down. And this is what actually happens. You see, out of your heart will flow. There's something that's flowing out of your heart. Sometimes it can be your own stuff. So when people get around you, Rick was saying earlier, sometimes you're in those conversations and that was a good conversation. You know, sometimes you're around people and just when you pick up off them, it's just like, ugh. You feel like you need to go and take a shower after you've just left being with someone. You ever know those people? People are picking up stuff off your life. People are reading stuff off your life. But here's the thing you need to know. This is the good news is that where God has you in your life as a family and in your work and different things, there's stuff that God wants to flow from you. People get the experience and get caught up in the flow and the surge and the current of the river that's coming out of your life. And this river that's coming out of your heart that God wants to release in you, in you, not just the person sitting beside you, but in your life and through your life, it's living, it's dynamic, it's changing all the time. This is why I'm saying never try to box God in and say, I've I've, I've heard this before, I've done it before. It's always new, it's living, it's changing all the time. Jesus says this, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit is constantly changing and doing new things. If you've got your seals up, ready to allow the Holy Spirit to breathe afresh, this is changing all the time. It is dynamic, it is living. And it's water. It's bringing life. Just as I finish this, this is what I felt the Spirit challenged me. So obviously one of the things I want to do every time before I speak, I want the Spirit to challenge me if there's stuff that I need to check in my life before I get up here to speak to you guys. And one of the things I felt them speak to me, I think, well, I know it's for me, but I think it could be for many people in the room, was this phrase, uh, we were down in Dublin over the weekend and I was lying in bed and actually felt the Holy Spirit say, that's just like jeepers. You mean that for me? But I felt this phrase, Pharisaic Pentecostal. Pharisaic Pentecostal. Sometimes with the things of the Spirit, I could stand, for many of you, we could stand up put on a show, we could talk about the right things that we know that the Spirit can do. We know about the gifts of the Spirit. We know we've had experiences before. We could box them in sometimes with our traditions, even from Pentecostalism. We can box them in and say, this is the way the Spirit should move. This is the way it should happen because we've seen it before. But here's the thing, it's living, it's dynamic, it's changing. It's fresh every time. And what we need to be open to as a church and as a people in your life every day, get up and get ready because it's a new day. It's a new thing. It's a new moment. And this is why each day, so tomorrow and today, sorry, let's, let's talk about right now, that we want to pray for a release of, is that there's living, there's rivers of living water that just God wants to release from you, to bless everybody around you, for you to experience in your life, but so that people get caught up in this, the life-giving power of the Spirit just doesn't stay in you, but it flows from you. Out of your heart, you count, you're significant, your life is of worth. This is the promise of Jesus upon you. Rivers of living water flowing from you. It's different and it's dynamic. And then tomorrow when you get up, you're ready for the new. 
It's just fresh for what you experience and it's fresh what other people get from you. And the day after that, get up and get ready for the new. It's fresh, it's dynamic. And so let's be a people that are ready to drink daily. There was something else in John 9, but I'll forget that now for time's sake. Let's be a people that are ready to drink daily. Listen, what God has for you, it's great the experiences you've had of the Spirit, but he just wants it for you every day. And when you hear the Spirit speak, I suppose that's a thing in the room this morning. For those of you that are going through situations, be desperate and hungry to hear from the Father. Allow the Spirit to speak, and as you hear him speak, follow his promptings. This is what will lead you into life. This is what will lead you fully in what he has. And be a people to release the life of the Spirit. Why don't you stand, can you, with me? Just as we, just as we finish. Marty, we'll just hold your song, is that all right? Why don't we hold out our hands? Let's, let's just posture ourselves just to receive it fresh. Father, thank you for your desire for us as your sons and daughters. Father, thank you for the experience that you have for each of us, afresh every day. God, we want to speak firstly into the dry places, God, and, and hearts, souls, lives this morning. Holy Spirit, would you flow afresh? God, as a people, we want to we wanna drink afresh. We thank you that this is stuff we've never tasted before. Thank you there's a unique taste in what we receive right now. God, I pray, Lord, where familiarity has crept in, God, and has stolen, God, passion and joy in people's lives. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just lift that off in the name of Jesus. And God, we just pray you would release fresh joy, fresh springs be released. God, may we be a people that drink daily. God, would you lead us to follow your, your word and your voice? God, sometimes when that's hard and it just seems senseless at times, God, in terms of human wisdom, give us the boldness to follow you. God, help us to lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways to acknowledge you. And thank you, God, that as we do that, this is your promise, you will make straight our paths. God, I pray, Lord, straight paths, God, for people in this room. God, I pray, Lord, in the midst of confusion, God, in people's lives, I pray, Lord, there would be a voice of clarity that they will hear. Would you lead, Holy Spirit? I thank you for the release of life, God, that you have through us. Tash said this at the end of the first service. You know, sometimes water, if it doesn't flow, it can go stagnant, it can go stale. This is why there's a flow that the Lord is promising. And so, God, I just pray, God, in the midst, God, of maybe where things have gone stagnant, God, I just pray, Lord, almost like a, a picture of a damn wall breaking where there's been stuff that's almost caused a blockage and stuff being stored upstream. God, I just pray a breakthrough moment right now. God, and I pray fresh water start to be released. Fresh water start to be released, God, Lord, through every life. God, I thank you, God, for every home, God, that is going to be blessed, God, Lord, from these flows of, of living water. God, these rivers of living water. Thank you, God, for every business. God, for every job. God, Lord, where everyone works. God, Lord, that is going to be blessed, God, Lord, by the rivers of living water that are being released. Thank you that it is your promise for all who believe. And so, Jesus, in your name, we say yes to your heart 
heart's desire for us. And God, I just pray, Lord, even just prophetically, God, I pray this week, God, you would open our eyes, God, to see, Lord, where those streams need to flow. And God, I pray, Lord, even to release, God, through this body, God, of healing, God, Lord, to the people outside of this body. God, I pray, Lord, this week, God, for an increase in boldness, God, Lord, as we lay on hands and as we pray for people that there would be a fresh flow of healing, God, in Jesus' name, through us. And God, thank you that this is for all of us. God, this isn't just for the ones or the twos. This is your heart's desire for us. So God, here we are as your people. We say, use us, God. Thank you, God, that this is your heart for us. Jesus, thank you for teaching us your ways. Thank you for speaking through your word. Thank you that you lead us into these things. Thank you that your heart's desire was for your own people to get it. But God, we are your own people. And thank you that it's your heart's desire for us today. So God, bless us this day. Fill us afresh. Come Holy Spirit, release and use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.